When I was a kid, I, I liked to steal strawberries. I'd sneak into the neighbor's yard at the end of the street. And I remember they had a big fence. And I'd always scrape my knees climbing over it. And then on the other side, they had these wild rose bushes. And the thorns would dig into my legs and cut my thighs when I slid down. But the strawberries always tasted so sweet. I think it's you that starts. Oh no, it's me. <laughs> this is what happens when we record five songs in the same day. Um, hi, this is Kenny. And this is Mark. And this is all I want to do is talk about Madonna. Album six, track six. Bad girl. Of Louise Orioli. <laughs> Orioli? I thought it was Oriole. Probably. <laughs> but I like Orioli. Um, we'll get to that later. We, we're, we're coming down. We're coming down off the, the first off ballad. The, off the wittiness of where life begins into a real uh, epic. This is an epic. It's an epic song. It's the first ballad on the album. Yes. It's the third official single from the album. Correct. I have to say, this is one of my favorite ballads of hers. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's just gorgeous. Just gorgeous. And her voice is so gorgeous in here, too. We have all the control of fever and even and then all the the strength of deeper and deeper like mixed together and, and all the vulnerability of bye bye baby it sort of is taking us to this new place well it what i love about this song is that um it feels very personal and diaristic but also she's clearly playing with the conventions of what people think of her Mm. And I really mm-hmm. love that. Yeah. I love how you, I realized when I heard it, oh, Madonna's not living under a rock. She knows exactly what people are saying about her. She knows what kind of the the kind of common thought is about Madonna. Oh, she sleeps with everybody. Oh, this, oh, that. And so she's really going to inhabit a character study of a woman that does that and and but sing about the emotional cost and the toil of that yeah yeah because i i remember thinking the same thing and i think it every time i listen to it like it sounds like a true song but i think it's really like an assignment song in a way yes it's it's definitely she's stepping into a character to sing it we know that she doesn't really smoke cigarettes even though she shows she shows us cigarette smoking and often in her videos and on the cover of the single she's she's looking amazing smoking a cigarette holding her boob yes like one does 
Like when does well, she's just checking season. like what's going on. She's here. giving herself a mammogram. Yeah, she's like, well, it's gonna, it was a long night. Her hair is amazing in yeah. that picture too. Looks really good. The the song though has uh, it, it's very cold. The way that the production of it is, it's a Shep Pettibone song. So, um, and it had a couple of drafts before it was Bad Girl. It was a song called Sad Girl. It was a song called Drunk Girl, and um, and the lyrics I think were finessed and and, and really tightened up. Um, and the music, it was it was given more of a of a traditional structure. Though my personal favorite version of it is the extended version that's on the single. There's an edit that cuts it by like a few seconds, and then there's this extended version that gives these instrumental, like cinematic things. But there's something very big about the song and the production of it, and and that kind of hook of the dun dun dun. It it makes it feel. Um, it really validates her feelings and it gives that character and all that's going on in her um, the size that, that she, Madonna feels she deserves. Yeah, I mean, the chorus is so amazing. It's anthemic, though, you know, an anthemic song about a bad girl, but it's like just really driving. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, of course, the bridge, I don't want to cause you I mean, this is like yeah. one of the greatest bridges ever. I think and she just sort of her voice just can fill the track so beautifully and there's and it hits that part of her voice which we hear in so many great songs including Spanish Eyes is where I think of it too like where we can hear like pain yeah yeah and and it with all of its size and its scope the song also has a spareness I mean she ends that that bridge with I don't want to feel blue and then the it it drops out for like a nanosecond and then it kicks back in kicks back in shows what a great writer she is and like other ballads like live to tell take a bow um i would include oh father on that list she's playing with the conventions of truth and i think emotionally she's felt this way but the specifics of this character um she is not it, it, it's not as true. It's a portraiture. Yeah. One of the great things about the Jonathan Ross interview that that she did around this time was she talked about when he he asked her about songwriting, and it really is one of like her best interviews I think she's ever had. I, I like when I write music. I like to write them like in my mind. There's a little movie playing, and I always envision scenarios and characters. And of course, it's not always something that I've experienced, but I always say it in the first person, so it's it becomes. It seems like it's a personal thing. It is also like a turning point in the album. Yeah. Because I think it's the first time we hear a consequence of, mm. you know, sex or, you know, a life lived 
on the edge. You know what I mean? Well, and I remember, you know, when I heard this song the first time when I was 15, getting ready to start my life. And I, and I remember hearing this being like, oh, it's not as sexy and glamorous as I think it is. I better, I better take care of myself. I better learn self-care. Yeah. And I think that's what the character doesn't have a lot of. She doesn't have self-care. And and so, I mean, and w- when we talk about the video, like it's so apparent in the video, but um, she has um, laundry service, but she doesn't have self-care. Well, if one can only have one of the two. I, you know, that would be, a, that's a conversation <laughs> for another time. But, you know, that that she keeps looking outside of herself for everything. Yeah. And, and, and then not understanding why she feels so confused and alone and lost. Yeah. And I think that's a compelling story. Yeah, I think, you know, I said this in my, um, you know, story about my connection to erotica, that this song... I could see myself in this song because this was a time where I was like going out every night and I was trying to and or hooking up with somebody different every night because I was free and young and the world was my oyster and no one was telling me no and there was nobody at home to stop me and that frequently I would you know, wake up from those days with a hangover, feeling shitty, feeling a little bad about myself, not sure if I did the right thing or not, was I safe or not, you know? Mm. And so I think that the song also hit a chord with me in a personal way where I could just identify with it, you know? Well, and I and I would sit in my room or when I would drive to my part-time jobs after school and I would fantasize about what it would be like to be coming home at, at dawn or sitting in a cab in the back of mm. a car, you know, trying, oh, what what did I just do? Or, oh, look what I just did. I got to take my panties and I throw know. them into the sink. <laughs> 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 you know, we see her in Justify My Love, like, you know, well, we see her in her undergarments, but she, she's not washing anything and doesn't care. And yeah. now here's... Now she's like, well, she's a businesswoman. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the video. Yeah. Um, and this is a great example, I think, of a song being written and then a video totally exactly capturing what she wanted it to be. Totally, 100%. She's back with her frequent and brilliant collaborator David Fincher. Yes. As well as uh, as a as a as an Oscar winner, Christopher Walken. Yes. You know, at this time in her life, she was hanging out, well, starting with Dick Tracy, she was hanging out with all these great men of film yeah. of that age, right? Um, and so it seemed kind of natural and also surprising that Christopher Walken is in this this short film. Of she video. could literally call anybody to do this. Yeah, yeah. But she calls Chris Walken, who, yeah. again, is just a little bit off, you know, in the right way. Um, and he plays her guardian angel or, you know, well, not her guardian angel because at the end he takes her life, but I guess an angel, right? Yeah, I think he's her guardian angel. I think he is there to watch over her or the angel of death, akin to Jessica Lange and um, all that jazz, mm. kind of haunting the person before they... But is this is this a reference to Wings of Desire? Yes, yeah. it is. It's a beautiful film. And I think that there's some such lovely moments. So she, uh, Madonna plays a uh, a troubled businesswoman named with her own office. Very important, of course. Um, named Louise. Yes. And did you see when Louise goes to work? You know, and everybody's trying to talk to her, and she goes into her office where she falls asleep. Do you see what she's looking at? <laughs> no. What is she? She's looking, looking at? at all these pictures of men. One of them is Johnny Depp. 
Oh. And they're like these little like squares. She has her little magnifying glass. Like she's looking at them. Is she a magazine editor? I think maybe. I think she's like interview magazine or a Vanity Fair <laughs> article. Like I just imagine that they shot this all in like Maverick locations. So I just yeah. presumed that was the Maverick office down in Tribeca or something. This is all story I'm making up. And then that all the stuff in the apartments was in her apartment. All that muted coloring. I was like, yeah. mm, that's yeah. very Madonna. She, does, yeah. she doesn't like bright colors. Well, no. No, not when she's being serious. No, and um, and she's she's having a life. She's uh, going out every night with different men and hooking up with them, and um, coming home to piles of mail and a and a cat that won't speak to her because he's right. starving. And you know, I would say that that cat is a uh, a callback to express yourself. Correct. Right. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Um, and um, you know, she hooks and and it's interesting the way that the film shoots the the sex scenes and the, and the dates because all of the men are cast in these shadows. The bartender guy has this like, um, strobe lit apartment by the subway. So it looks very, she's always very menacing. And then that beautiful shot of her the next morning when she wakes up and sees the note and rips it up. And then Christopher Walken opens it and it says, thank you, whoever you were, you are. And it's just, and light has come back. And so, and it reminds me. I mean, this move, this video is obviously um, akin to um, "Looking for Mr. Goodbar," mm. the Diane Keaton movie from Richard the seventies. Richard Gere. Um, uh, what's his name? Oh shoot, um, Tom Berenger. Mm-hmm. He's in it uh, very famously at the end of the movie. And it was this. It was directed by Richard Brooks, and it was the same year that Diane Keaton won the Oscar for Annie Hall. She mm. this was her other movie because ba- she it was a yin and a yang. She was very comedic in Annie Hall and very dark and looking for Mr. Goodbar. And it's based on a novel by Judith Rosner about a, a school teacher uh, for special needs kids who would go out to the bars in the seventies and troll for men, and she wound up getting murdered. Yeah. And um, spoiler she, across the street from my my best friend's old apartment on 72nd Street was where it was. And um, and I just remember it, it's such a menacing film and such a punishment film that um, and you don't get any sense of what she gets after she dies. And yeah. this this gives um, that character, the Madonna character, a little cathartic moment with. With yeah, Christopher he gives yeah. her a cigarette. They're looking down on her body being taken away, and she sort of seems happy or more relieved. content. Relieved. Relieved. I wonder about the messaging of this video, though. Like, I mean, and again, i I don't want to. I don't want to uh, paint the video as it's a brilliant video. Oh, I love this video. It's a brilliant, brilliant yeah. video. It is gorgeously shot, gorgeously lit. Fincher is doing all kinds of movie, what he's going to do in film very soon. Four of the four videos that we've talked about so far, amazing videos. And completely different. Completely different. uh, You know, Um, tell me more about the message. Well, I mean, the message is like, um, you know, if you like have a lot of sex, you should die. Like, or you're going to die or be killed. Like, and, you know. and and it's interesting because in the moment when the guy comes to, you know, he she kind of knows it's going to She surrenders. To she yeah. surrenders the same way Diane Keaton does in, in, in Looking for Mr. Goodbar. She she pleads with him at the end of the film to yeah. kill her. Kill me, kill me. And 
and he does and it's very violent and awful you don't see that in in the madonna video right it it happens off screen and but you see a beautiful uh, image of her laying dead gorgeous yes um beautiful corpse and it's a cautionary tale in this weird way yeah well yeah it absolutely is and i wonder about that i would be so curious to hear her talk about that video now and like what her Take, she probably wouldn't even want to talk about it, but like I would be, you know, I, I, I don't, it doesn't really bother me in the sense of like, well, that's sort of the story that was being told. I don't mm-hmm. think it's actually like, if you have a lot of sex, you're going to be killed. You know, that's not really, I don't think that's a Madonna message, nor, but it is a dark video. It's, and, and it is of a time when AIDS was saying that. Yeah. People were saying, if you have sex, you will die from yeah. AIDS. Yeah. And so this was another this was kind of her way of being part of aligning herself with that persecuted tribe. Yeah. In this weird soapy, soapy kind of way. Cause it is kind of soap operatic and absolutely, you know, when the, when the guy's like playing with his ring and her responses to unbutton her blouse, you're just like, Oh, Madonna. Yeah. She's playing the story. Yeah. I thought her acting in this is excellent. Oh, She's making at this time, I believe this is the same time that she's making Dangerous Game or around the same time? Yes, probably around the same time. Probably a little like pre-production into it because she's got the same, the look is is similar. Yeah, and can we just pause then for a second and talk about just her film career at, at this, this moment? Time. Because she, you know, so we have, she does um, uh, Dick Tracy. Yes. Then she goes on the road and she's filming um, Truth or Dare. Truth or Dare. Yes. Then she goes and she makes League of Their Own. Well, she makes oh. Shadow and Fog. Oh, Shadow and Fog. The cameo right. in, yes. in Woody Allen's yes. Shadow yes. and Fog. Yeah. Yes. Then she makes League of Their Own. Yes. Then she takes this left turn. Well, no, then she's going to make Body. She makes Body of Evidence. Yes. And then Dangerous Game. It's a lot of film work at this time. Well, and I remember at the end of 1993, everybody snarkily said this year was bookend by Madonna Bombs. Um, <laughs> yeah. Body of Evidence came out in January of 1993. Uh, it was a film starring uh, William Defoe, Joe Mantegna from Speed the Plow, yep. Oscar nominee Ann Archer, yep. and future Oscar win- winner Julianne Moore, who said it was a mistake to have done, but gets to <laughs> slap Madonna in the movie. And um, it was directed by um, Uli, Uli Adele, uh-huh. who was a very established director, and Dino De Laurentiis produced it. Yeah. I mean, the credentials for the film were great. It was shot in Oregon uh, in the... Um, fall of 1991 into 1992 in the winter of 1992 and uh, you know it's it's a traditional pot boiler um thriller sex thriller have you ever seen animals make love frank it's intense it's violent we're not animals yes we are She is a beautiful woman. But when this trial is over, you will see her no differently than a gun or a knife or any other instrument used as a weapon. She is a killer. Frank, come on, give me a story here, Frank. Did you do it, Miss Carlson? Looks like she had him chewing on the wood. They weren't rope burns. She had him handcuffed. Do you think I killed him? That's a question I never ask my clients. There's nothing wrong with admitting that you want me, Frank. 
you pointed to this in an earlier episode about Basic Instinct, yeah. that it is sort of like following, there were so, a whole bunch of films that came out that were yeah. using that sort of landscape is, to tell stories. Is, is the femme fatale guilty or not? And right. this goes back to Body Heat, this goes back to, you know, Suspect, it goes back to, you know, uh, the, even even the Jane Fonda movie, The Morning After, oh, where love she plays movie. a drunk who <gasps> wakes up next to a dead body. Oh, and, God, did he... I kill him? Did I not? And Her on the payphone. Oh, my God. Oh, I love that. And it's but it's a film that it it's a very by the numbers movie. It it everything that you expect, every scene you think is going to happen in this movie if you've seen Basic Instinct, which frankly everybody had yes. seen by the end yes. of 1992, uh you're going to know every scene w- what the twists are in this movie. Maybe yeah. a couple that you don't. And you're kind of left with these very high concept strange sex scenes yeah and you know part of it is too like she's this is the first time she's carrying a film since i mean shanghai surprise i don't count because i didn't see who's that girl who's that girl she was um, carrying that film <laughs> but i would say this about it this yeah. movie uh, body of evidence falls squarely on her all yes. of the other characters are barely i mean at least who's that girl has an ensemble of of funny people yeah. hap- running in and out of the movie to keep you distracted from Madonna. But yeah. this movie, it's about did she or did she not kill the man that she's on trial for? And um, in no way do I care no. who. Well, Rebecca Carlson is her name. She was, I think, you know, she, she talks about this in an interview. But I watched a lot of movies from the 40s also that I thought had a sort of similar feeling to it, the sort of film noir Court, courtroom dramas, those kind of movies, a lot of Hitchcock movies. I, I, this one movie in particular, but now I can't even remember the name of it, um, but Gregory Peck was in it, mm-hmm. and it was a Hitchcock film, and, and there was an Italian actress, oh, Louis Jordan was in it, and he was very, very young. Do you know the, the film mm-hmm. I'm talking about? Well, did you find it difficult to uh, care for a blind man, to, to take care of him? No. He was never unkind to you? Sometimes. But I understood. It was terrible for him being like that. It was easy to forgive him. That's the one I watched the most because I loved the way she portrayed... Um, she was... You could never read her eyes in, in, in the courtroom. You could never tell. Every day, the people would give their testimonies. Some people said things that would make you think she was guilty. Some people said things that would make you think that she wasn't guilty, but whenever you looked into her eyes, you could never tell. And I think this was her mistake. Like you know, a coping mechanism. Like yeah, a coping, okay. like she's like a poker face and that that's the mis- mystery of her. But I think the thing that Madonna didn't do is that she didn't have enough behind her eyes, you yeah. know? Like, and, and I think this is a thing that she does frequently, especially, well, when she takes on the lead role, um, she makes a big choice. Yes. Which is a great thing for an actor to do. However, it wasn't the right choice. <laughs> no, no. Well, and 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 the script, I mean, like, again, yeah. this is a paint-by-numbers thriller. I think the script had been around. They probably amped it up in light of bo- uh, Basic Instinct. But it has none of Basic Instinct's psychosexual dynamics. It doesn't have the pathology of Catherine Trammell. I mean, yeah. that's a fascinating yes. film character. But also Sharon Stone is whatever anybody wants to think of her. She's a, a superb actor. Yes. 
Sharon Stone was kind of a discovery yeah. doing Basic Instinct. Madonna brings so much of Madonna. Yeah. And we had just read the sex book and started listening to Erotica two months earlier. Yeah, it's and a little And the timing saturated. of it is very important. And the fact that there's nothing new about, that this movie says nothing new that Basic Instinct didn't already do right. better and sassier and sexier and sleazier. Well, this movie... Opens and bombs in literally six weeks in early January 1993. Yeah. And then um, the backlash kind of begins. And then in the fall, in November of 1993, yeah. Dangerous Games comes out, where she plays a character named Sarah Jennings. Yes. And Dangerous Games is a very different kind of movie. Dangerous Games was directed by Abel Ferrara. Um, it was produced... Um, in part by Maverick, Maverick Yes, it was films. one. Of, it was their first film that they did. It was did. their first film. It was called Snake Eyes at one point. Yeah, and Abel Ferrara had had some really um, interesting street cred. He was an yeah. indie director. He is an indie director who did pretty was known for pretty violent and intense films. And and, and his just, bad lieutenant. Yeah, was I was just going to say he just came off of this big hit. This was just the year or two before with Harvey Keitel, who stars in this movie along with James Russo, and. I, I we were talking about this earlier like there's a lot I like about Dangerous Game meaning first of all I think that actually Abel Ferrara really knows how to shoot Madonna because I think she looks phenomenally beautiful in this movie mm -hmm. I love the the lighting is great the colors are great they really pull out all the the great essence of her and there's a lot of the movie that feels like and maybe it is it feels like it wasn't really supposed to be filmed so yeah. it has a real raw feel to it yeah it's a terrible story and she's abused throughout and um she overacts a lot or she's really trying to hold space with harvey Keitel and james russo who are like formidable you know actors and she's trying to prove herself well but and they have all of the money notes in the movie like she's yeah. she's abused and reactive and and she's she's almost kind of a pawn for the Keitel character because yeah. you know he has to sleep with somebody that's not his wife why not sarah jennings right. and you know, I remember I was so bored by this movie and when I saw it originally and I felt like as a young person, oh, there must be something wrong with me. I don't get it. Like I don't get, I'm missing it. I'm missing it. And it's so, it's so, it's telling such truths about Hollywood and hypocrisy and religion. And, and I feel like with Abel Ferrara, there's a, he always has like three or four image imagistic moments in his films that are designed to shock and to provoke um, that he kind of builds the movies around. Bad Lieutenant has these moments. This movie doesn't have those. Right. Yeah, I feel like this movie, I think that this movie got a little lost along the way. Um, I think it's interesting material that she chose. Like, And it, it harkens to me back to Speed the Plow. There's a similar trio at the center of this or a triangle and it's about hollywood and sort of the mechanisms and the machinations and the the ways that it's um a really dark place that i think she really is drawn to and i think that there's something there i think it got lost and i also think he writes he's spoken very specifically about how she was so um well, look, I think it's not a great movie, but she was so uncomfortable with and disappointed by the reviews and body of evidence that she came out of the gate slamming this film. Yeah. And that she actually got some good reviews for her performance in this, but it was too late. Like she didn't care. Well, and, and, and this is a moment and, you know, 
it, it every few years it surfaces again as like, oh, this is the one movie Madonna's good in. And then people watch and they're like, oh, but the movie's crappy. And this is a, this is a casualty of the narrative of 1993, that Madonna's yeah. an oversexed, overexposed, crazy nymphomaniac who doesn't put out good music anymore, makes bad movies, and is selling arenas out all over the world in her tour. <laughs> so, um, because literally, like, the girly show ends, and a couple days later this comes out in theaters. Madonna refused to do any press for it. Um, and it's one of those things where, and it's interesting, and the reason I wanted to talk about it in these two movies in uh, with Bad Girl, they're both bad girls. Rebecca Carlson yeah. and Sarah Jennings are kind of lost bad girls who look outside themselves for approval and safety. And it's very telling that of all three, the one where Madonna was in control of the the narrative and the movie is what is the most effective, which was the song and the video. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's that's so interesting to me. I also think it's interesting that, and I think it would be different. I don't know. Like, I think if if let's say that Body of Evidence was an amazing film and mm -hmm. Dangerous Game was also a really interesting film, and then we would have had Erotica, Body of Evidence, The Sex Book, Dangerous Game, all these videos. Then it's like this whole big social massive social commentary that would like be cohesive and show us all these angles and i do believe that in her mind that's what she saw yes you know and that where it fell short is again when like you said when it's out of her hands and not only when it's out of her hands but also i think the male gaze ultimately does her in in those two films like they're so especially in dangerous game that's such a dick fest like, yeah do you know what i mean yes and like and there and there's a fascinating there's a fascinating interview uh this british talk show from the early 90s where they it's a round table it's a it's a it's a half an hour talk show they, they discuss dangerous games in it i thought this film was absolute crap um, but having said that of course it's trying to be so interesting that we've obviously got to take seriously it's trying to be so interesting it's so narcissistic, and I mean narcissistic and self-indulgent at every possible level. It is a, a movie about making movies. It's a movie about directors' infidelities in which the director, the real director's real wife, plays the Harvey Keitel character film director's wife in the film. Are you following? Um, it's a film in which the slut who is playing the good girl in the film is the slut we know as Madonna, playing a good girl, playing a slut, playing a good girl. Um, everybody's looking up their own backsides, um, quite a lot of the time, actually. Uh, but the, uh, at, the, at the heart of that, there's an actual offensive core, which we might call tonight's misogynistic moment, um, which is that we are actually told to watch soft porn which we watch because it's a film being made in the middle of a film. And I also think, um, you know, there was something very bold for Madonna to do this kind of gritty, dark... I mean, the movie is what it is, and she did agree to do that movie, and she financed that movie. So yeah. I think that there was definitely an instinct of, okay, we just had a lot of fun, my tour is over, here's this dark underbelly of all that we just did, all that flash and panache. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I just think this is a funny detail, but it's kind of wrong for me to share it. But 
The budget of this film was $10 million. And it says on Wikipedia that the gross box office was $23,671. Because it didn't play anywhere. I mean, it played like LA and New York in one theater. And that was it. Um, um, the other thing I will say about, um, there's one other performance of Bad Girl. Yes. That I want to talk about. And well, that, the only live performance. The only live performance. Thank God we got that performance. Oh. The, if only that performance, I'm glad she released it as a single. Yes. Because she wouldn't have sung it had it not been the new single. Correct. Uh, in January of 1993, Madonna guest as the musical guest on SNL. Uh, the host was Harvey Keitel, whom she was making Dangerous Games. And she uh, did her second song of the night after a fabulous rock and roll version of Fe Fever. She sang Bad Girl on a stool. On a stool. Not moving. Nope. Just singing her little heart out. And what a beautiful, what a beautiful performance. Gorgeous. Her voice is phenomenal. I, I do wish, I my only note for her is that she didn't have to work as hard in the first part of the song, but maybe she felt like she did. She was nervous. Yeah, yeah. And I love at near the end as the, as the band is like thrashing, she's kind of like doing her head thing, which is kind of like a, a a grunge thing it's her moment of grunge okay. and the whole thing okay. which is like hitting it but I, I love the two times when she does the bridge and the first time she when it gets to the high note on baby she like holds it back a little bit and then the second time after the instrumental and she's bobbing her head in her um grunge way and she really <laughs> opens up her voice and really belts that oh it's so beautiful Well, and I was thinking about this, and I think this is her first performance since her li first live performance since since Blonde Ambition was done. Mm. Maybe some charity stuff in in '91, but I don't think she performed oh, like I think a you're song. Right. Yeah, and I think that it's it's kind of great that she yeah that she did this and. You know, I, I I just love that performance. It's marred slightly by the fact that after she's done with it, she pulls out the photo of Jerry Buttafuoco <laughs> and rips it up and says, fight the real enemy uh -huh. and stomps on it in a, yeah. in a direct um, refute of Sinead, Sinead O'Connor. Yeah. And, and uh, but that's always been cut since then. Yeah, like when I went to go watch the clip to remind myself, they cut it out. They cut it out, um, probably at her insistence. I guess, but you know, I kind of love that moment, and I think it's very Madonna and very American and very, in a lot of ways, true. I mean, it's not true. La Pope is worse than jo Joey Buttafuoco at that time, is specifically, but yeah. like or the Catholic Church, but Joey Buttafuoco is and was you know a shithead yes. and a horrible person yeah and somewhat you know and the amy fisher story is a story that fits in exactly with bad girl exactly know? well and i think i think that that's the thing i think madonna was 
in part aligning herself with Sinead and being like, there are, pa- you know, we don't just go after the the untouchable patriarchs. We go yeah. after the people that are in your own backyard. And aligning herself with Amy Fisher and saying, you know, I don't know if it's right to shoot somebody, but she was wronged. She was wronged. She was wronged. And, and but you know what? This song, it's so right. It's so right. It's so right. Oh, bad girl. Drunk by six. Oh. I'm not happy when I act this way. I'm not happy. And there's that, I'm not happy this way. Oh, oh and echo that at the end, yeah. Oh. Oh. I'm going to go kiss some stranger's lips. Kind stranger. Until next time. Bye. Bye.